to a very short snippet of my new song, Alchemist. And uh, I don't know about you, but you're listening to the Trillist, the Trillist, actually the Trillist podcast in the universe. We rebranded, so it's the Trillist podcast in the universe. Today we have somebody who really like inspires the fuck out of me. Oh. Like I, the day we met, just the vibes were there. Yeah. You feel me? Like we matched energies. And then there was just so much more as we just talked and you know what I'm saying? Just like somebody who's like, if you could put multitasking into a person but like i don't know if she actually multitasks but she just does so much it just does too but yeah it's just like i wish i could do so much and be like that good at the things and like very humble you know just just such a good positive energy to be around and you know today is coming with a, a story of you know just following your passion and you know overcoming like crazy adversity like where most people would give up but still, you know, just having the mindset, you know, and the drive, like knowing what she wants to be and knowing her gift and just giving it, you know. And honestly, that alone is just I'm super excited to have you. I'm honored to have you as a I'm so excited to be wonderful here. guest today. The one and only Lexi Monet. Thank you, Gartasia. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. And yes, the day that we met, it was all vibes. I got you to take your shades off for me because you were so cool that day. He walked in, shades on, talking to everybody with the shades on. When we got deep into our conversation at one point in time, he was just, I said, I got you to take the shades off for me. I felt so honored. <laughs> That's beautiful. No, yes. yeah, because like the thing is, a lot of times people don't know who you really are when they meet you for the first time. Yeah. So it's like, she probably saw me with the shades and she was like, oh, he's he, he that kind of person. But like, yeah. I let her know that that was my first time wearing shades. So <laughs> That's just, so crazy. Because you really gave off that nonchalant, I'm here, I'm cool. And thank, like, you're welcome mm. for meeting me. <laughs> that was the vibe, like, you're welcome for meeting Ooh, me. Wow. But I loved it. It wasn't mm. like, it wasn't negative. It was like really positive, but like, I know my worth. That's what it was. It was like, I know my worth and the type of people that I like to be around. So when you took the shades off, it was kind of like a validation. Like, I really fuck with you. Sorry, can I curse? All the curse words. I, I usually, yeah, yes, you can. You uh, well, can. you know, I don't even know why What's I asked. Like, I don't show? watch the, yeah, my bad. No, you straight. I was thinking about, um, what was it? Uh, Breakfast Club. It was mm. like, this is the radio. You can't curse on here. Okay. <laughs> but they be cursing like a motherfucker. They do, but like every oh, now and yeah. again with different people, they be like, you can't curse. Mm. Okay, my bad. But this is the treehouse. This is the fucking treehouse. This is the treehouse, and the treehouse is about authenticity. Yes. And authenticity is blocked by trying to bend your your true self or bend your communication 
of who you feel your true self is, right? I love that. That ends up being blocked when you're being inauthentic or when you're trying to put filters in the way of that. So the whole part, and I do have the treehouse unfiltered, where we even more unfiltered. <laughs> However, the treehouse normal is also unfiltered. You feel me? But it's with the guests. So obviously we're being respectful and stuff. I'm respectful on the unfiltered too, but if you watch the unfiltered, okay. But anywho, um, yeah, I'm honored to be here. And you know what I'm saying? We're going to dig right into it. Poetry. You feel me? That's what inspired, among many other things, that's what like drew me in. Because poetry is like one of the, the things that like, I've always been like hearing about it, but I... And, and you would think like, oh, he raps, you should. And I know rap is an extension of that, but poetry was kind of something that's kind of novel to me. Like even you were telling me these terms, like, you know, um, like these different- Louder than a louder bomb. Louder than a bomb. That mm-hmm. keeps escaping my mind, louder than a bomb. <laughs> and then like the these workshops. Then and of YCA. And YCA. then how they have the Clio Center in Chicago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just like hearing these things thrown around, but actually seeing somebody, I was super curious as to like, you know, what goes on in the world, the world of that. And and going into like, we're talking about unfilteredness in poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Like going straight into it, like in poetry, it's about authenticity or it's about telling your story, right? But yes. is there ever like, is there ever a feeling to like bend your words or like to not, because you kind of off the record, you're talking about like, oh, on church, you kind of want to not talk about certain poetry do you ever feel like you have to filter yourself for certain crowds you know depending on what does that affect the nature of your poetry if that makes sense um so when I initially started writing it was me getting everything out that I was not allowed to say so my family was pretty traditional it's like children had certain things that they could and could not say and if you expressed how you felt about something that a parental figure did it was deemed disrespectful so i had a lot of anger in me as a kid so my poetry helped for me to actually have a voice so initially everything was unfiltered i didn't care what i said but i feel as though that as i got as i had gotten older and discovering who I was as a poet and branding myself as a poet, I had to figure out my audience. So a lot of times, one of my biggest struggles is is the fact that I love God, right? I'm also a human person. I do everything that a normal 24-year-old woman would do. I am myself and I have a love for God. So it's putting in my love for God and also my humanity together where I'm not contradicting myself, you know? So it's like, I do poetry for everybody. Like in my book, Crescent Core, one thing that I really use for my advertising is I feel as though you can connect with this no matter your background or struggles. Um, A lot of poetry especially like in Chicago like have you ever heard of slam poetry yes right so I started off just like you know like written poetry but then when I started to perform it was slam poetry it's so hardcore honestly Chicago has the best hands down I've been other places and we have the best slam poets in my opinion um and with slam poetry it's kind of like your humanity and also like I can be a poet you know, and I can be a woman of God and I can also be a normal 24 year old. But when it comes to centering myself to who my audience is, I wonder if I will be judged. 
So that's where the censorship comes in. It comes with who you identify as, what do you want people to see you as, and what is the message that you want to convey through your poetry as a whole. Mm, that's beautiful. I love how you, you tie into that. It's, it's that, it's that, it's that delicate balance mm -hmm. of being centered and mm -hmm. the message you want to convey and also knowing the re receptor of that too. Exactly. No, that, that's, that's good. You mentioned that. And I do want to come back to the writing aspect too, because when I at least thought, think of poetry, a lot of times, and maybe because it's like, I don't know, I'm more of like a, I don't want to say a loud person, but I'm very like music, loud. Like I think mm. of like, I don't think like writing as much. I think like in terms of like sounds and hearing, the senses, mm. right? But poetry starts, and I like you mentioned with writing, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people talk about like, you know, you go to these louder than a bomb, you know, or you go to these open mics, open mics right? And it's like you hear, you hear the words, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of it starts on paper yes. with the writing. How, how does the writing affect you? How do you feel writing the poetry as a, comparing to like the delivery of it? Oh, I love that you asked me this question. Okay, so first off, I have to write on physical paper. A lot of people, they can write like digitally. I feel like because writing is a part of who I am, I feel like my writing is the most authentic when I'm using pen to paper. Um, so when I'm writing, I can't go to the next line, me personally, unless I fully feel that line. I have to like say it out loud and truly feel it, right? So when it comes to my performances, once I make sure that I can feel it on the page and when I'm performing, I have to say it in the way where it's conveying exactly how I felt as I was writing it. So it's that that transfer. And then with me, because of the fact that when I write, it's kind of therapy for me. When I perform, I feel everything being pushed out of my body into the crowd. Like it like literally for me, it's kind of like a buildup. I literally feel like heat, like when I'm performing and like sometimes like like when my nerves get there i kind of like push it out and when i do it kind of like explodes out of me if that makes sense like i know i'm a very sensual person like when i'm explaining how it is to perform and write because it's therapy for me it's a way of life like writing is not a hobby for me it's who i am it's an identity for me mm. <laughs> so so like I, I thank you so much for bringing that out because like I feel like a lot of people have have a difficulty explaining. I talk to a lot of rappers. I talk to a lot of you know, you know, people who have different expressions like DJs and producers. And like when I ask them, like kind of that performance element, and I love their responses, but I I've never got that before. Mm -hmm. And I love how you tied that to like that build up, yeah. and then it's like. It's almost like, you know, you can't wait to get to that point. Yeah. You know, and I love how that almost completes the cycle. Yes. Right? Because it's like, it started on paper. Yes. You know, and that's where like, you know, you put the gas in the bottle and you tightened it. And it's over time and like, you shake the bottle. That's that, okay, I got a performance. That's it's that a prep. poem within itself. Mm. <laughs> just the, just the buildup. The buildup from the writing mm. to the performance, like getting it down on paper knowing how you're going to say it, giving it to someone. It's literally all a process of creating and giving. Mm. That brings so much value to people, you know, and I feel like that's the therapy. I love how you mentioned therapy. That's the therapeutic element to it because for the audience, you know, whatever they're going through in their lives, not only the words, right, of the poetry that you're speaking into them, but also like that build up that energy 
-hmm. You know, it's a release, you know, and energy is transferred. So it's like you're getting that sense of release from, you know, delivering it on stage, that point where, like you said, it explodes from you and the audience is receiving it. Yes. So it's working on them in like multiple different levels. And that's that's the beauty of poetry. But I do want to speak about you mentioned identity Mm -hmm. and and being like, um, so like it's it's, it's like an identity to you. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this off the record, but I guess before I go into this question, though, how did your how did your so, so obviously, you know, you said you had a strict upbringing, you know, it was like adults talking shut the fuck up you feel me you know what i'm saying like speak when spoken to you know a lot of us can relate to that shout out to kai you know talking about how like that's how it is in the asian culture too it's like respect your elders you know what i'm saying and i fuck with that to an extent but it does create like bottled up emotions luckily for you you found an outlet which is poetry right tell me how like poetry you know throughout because we talked about this off the record but how did so you said you did you know open mics and stuff like that but when did it get to the point where you kind of start developing an identity you know, tied to the identity to it. Okay. So when it became my identity, I think it was around the time when I started to do LTAB. Um, I started doing LTAB in 2012. Um, and everybody had their poetry names, right? And I had no clue what to call myself i'm like you know i need something that's not corny but also something that pops something that feels like me right and then it brought me back to how um when i was younger you know my my name is alexis but my family calls me lexi but they always call it was always spelled l-e-x-y when i went to high school i changed it to l-e-x-i because i felt like it was more sophisticated right so that connects to identity so when i was trying to figure out my name i realized that my name that i already had was raw as fuck my name is alexis monet bar my poetry name became lexi monet and that's when i was like you know i created that identity and when i got older and i started to realized that writing was who I was was when I realized that I use it to cope with everything you know it but when it became a coping mechanism for me and when I decide that I wanted to be the mentors that I had as a kid because my mentors taught me that they gave me an outlet to be able to speak you know, teaching me how to write and perform better, teaching me how to perform on a stage and use the gift that I had to be able to give something to someone else. And that's when I realized that that's what I wanted to do with my life, like existentially. I live my life on a very existential basis. What can I give to the world? And the greatest gift that I have is poetry, which God gave me. Mm. That's beautiful. So that's where your identity, you know, kind of seeing the mentors, seeing the impact that it had on you. Exactly. You know, that's like your higher calling. Mm-hmm. And that that's what brings you here today. You know, an author, Crescent. Yes. Crescent Core. Crescent Core. You feel me? Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. I published through both of those places. Um, physical copies and ebooks. Y'all heard that. Treehouse, you feel me? Swarm that shit. I ain't fucking playing with y'all. I know we like to talk about kombucha, but this this takes a kombucha takes a backseat. Go swarm Lexamonies Crescent 
Crescent Court. Let's Crescent Court. Crescent Court. It's on Barnes and Noble. You said you just got a new publisher. Uh, yes, I just republished through Barnes and Nobles. So preferably Barnes and Nobles because it has the more updated um copy. Uh, it's new dimensions. It's a new look of the book and it's more compact. Mm. Yeah, run that run that shit up for real for real. I do wanna um I do wanna expound into you know so because a lot of the. So, sometimes, and, and we mentioned this before, but a lot of times our passion in life, we don't want to seem like, I don't want to say hypocrites, or we don't want to seem like there is a, a disconnect, you know, between what we want to do, what we enjoy versus like, I guess what we feel is the right thing to do, right? So to break this down in, in an example that relates to you. So you mentioned how, and, and before we talk about, I know you're thinking about that. Before we get to that, before we get to that, I want to talk about just at the basic level. So you, off, off the record, you mentioned how, you know, you taught at a Catholic school, mm -hmm. you know, your, your poetry skills. St. Malachi. St. Malachi. You know what I'm saying? If y'all know what that is, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and you said they later came back to, they said they transferred to your school. Yes. So they transferred to Westinghouse. So, um, I was going to Westinghouse College Prep and my sophomore year, um, so my mom was, she was working at the school. So she ended up talking to them to allow me to do an after-school poetry course at St. Malachi. And I went there and I was teaching, I was just teaching them like basic poetry. And um, one of my students, he was like, he was bad. Like he was a bad little kid. Like he was pretty disruptive. And it was just like, he was the rawest one. And it, it really showed me that like the kids who like they seem so bad and you tend to discard them. They have like these gifts because they already been through so much. And um, he was one of the students that transferred to Westinghouse and they became a part of our team, Team No Say. <laughs> at Westinghouse and they went on to Louder Than a Bomb. So that was really my first, that was really my first experience with me mentoring and pushing someone towards poetry. And I love that because poetry actually saved me from so much, so much. <laughs> mm. You wanna dive into like, what are the biggest things poetry kind of saved you from oh i'm i'm bearing my soul here right now <laughs> okay um when i was younger i was really i was really sheltered um for the most part i moved around a lot like um i didn't go to a school really for an entire year until my eighth grade year when i moved back um to chicago so i was born in chicago when i was seven i moved to minneapolis minnesota and i moved back to chicago when i was 13. so um i was living like in the old henry hornets area like right across the street from the united center and I was just learning who I was as a person because I had been here for a year now. Now I'm actually going outside and I'm making friends. So I was really hanging out with people that I wasn't supposed to be hanging out with, doing things that I had no business doing, certain things I can't even speak on. And um, one of my friends were just like, this isn't even who you are. Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be around these people. You shouldn't be doing these things. And at the point, at that time, I was 14 years old, like, jumped off the porch. If you from Chicago, you know what jumped off the porch mean. I was 14 years old. And um, I kind of took a, so that was like my freshman year. 
so my sophomore year is when I really joined um when I joined the louder than a bomb team at my school uh team no say and I was spending my after schools doing poetry I was going to poetry bouts and I'm writing and I'm reflecting and I'm just like I'm realizing who I am like this is not me but I'm discovering myself because I didn't really get a chance to know who I was as a person because I had never stayed at a place for an entire year so if say if I'm not well liked in one place I know that we're going to move. I got to choose so many different identities. I got to like say if I made a lie up of like who I was or certain things about myself like I could be like oh like why would I do that like I need to be authentic. I come to the next space. I get to be authentic compared to people who have been in the same place in the same neighborhood around the same people their entire lives. These people know who you are you get to explore who you are. I didn't get the chance to do that until I was 19. The person who, who was telling me like, this isn't who you are is actually my child's father. I had um, a child my junior year of high school. And during that relationship, I was doing poetry and I was with him like every day. Like that's all that I really did. And I realized that he, it wasn't just that he wanted me to be in a better environment. He wanted me to be with him all the time. So when I was doing poetry, he's like, oh, why are you doing that? You know, you're always there with them. But I was learning myself. That was where my calling was. And I started to learn more about myself, learn more about the world. Because what poetry does is, is when you write, you ask questions for content. You're like, oh, well, I wonder about this. Oh, let me read about this. Let me research this. So then you learn more things and you learn about yourself. You learn more about the world. And that entire experience is what I want to give to my, what I want to give to my mentees, what I want to give to my readers. I want for my poetry to be able to make you ask questions about yourself, make you ask questions about not just the world, but your world. What does that look like for you? What does healing look like for you? What does toxicity look like to you? And you can move forward from that. Mm. You know, thanks so much for sharing that. You know, thanks so much for being vulnerable. And thanks, thank you so much for actually, you're like one of the first people who've like kind of connected some dots in my own past too. Mm. I love how you mentioned, I really love how you mentioned and like y'all don't sleep on this part right here. I love how you mentioned how you moving around preventing you from like, cause I always get the, yeah, you don't get to really have friends. You don't get to, but you mentioned something that it's like, you low key don't really get to be authentic. Yeah. You don't get a chance you, to know you who can you just, are. You can low key finesse. You can finesse, especially when you're little, there's a huge pull towards kind of like just being anything. Because you don't really know yourself. So it's like, oh, this looks cool on TV. Let me be like this person. Mm -hmm. And you can like fake that for a year. Or like you can fake. So it's like you travel all the time. Like, okay, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And that is cool too. So I guess like try different things. But you don't get to like center yourself. You don't get to be you. You know what I'm saying? So I love how you mentioned that. You know, so for all people who like military, army brats or whatever, moving around a lot. Or just, just poor so you're getting evicted and continuously moving. <laughs> that aspect of Which was my life. Whatever the family. reason, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, that you're moving around, you know, it comes with that downside of like, you know, that'll hold back. But you, you know what I'm saying, you know, the, the father of your child, you know what I'm saying, brought to your attention that, you know, that isn't you. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the benefit to that. 
But also, I do want to get into, you know, back to the poetry, though. I want to talk about, you know, even connecting an identity to that. So now that now that you do have, you feel like you have an identity at the time, you know what I'm saying? Where did where did that kind of did any conflicts emerge from that? Because I assume, you know, you know, there's much more depth to a person than what what their performances look like or what their poetry looks like. Was there ever a conflict of interest between who you felt you really are and I guess the image you were presenting by Lexi Monet? Mm. Yes. Um, so some people talk about this, but um, so LTAB was really good for me um, because it got me more into writing, but it's a slam. So you're getting you're getting graded. Um, so the the scores go from low to high. I think it's I think it's like a five and above or it's a seven, like a seven through ten. Right. So when I was performing, like some people would get tens. And for the most part, consistently, I would get eights. And I'm just like, I really want that 10. I really want that 10. And sometimes it, it made me feel like, oh, maybe I'm not as good of a performer or as good as a writer or maybe I shouldn't write you know so a lot of people talk about how slam poetry actually deferred them from poetry because of the fact that that's the reason why like yes competing is cool it's great but the most important thing about poetry is you conveying life really it's it's really about the bars as well like your wordplay like you have to work on the craft because that's the way that you get people to you know like tune in you can't just you know just like write a paragraph and call it poetry you can't do that like you have to have some finesse you have to have skill you have to work on the technical part of it but the most important part is getting out what you need to get out and discovering for me no, that makes sense because mm -hmm. the core is, is asking questions, mm -hmm. you know, asking questions and then finding the answers to that through the poetry. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming part of that gets lost in the process if you're so focused on, you know, the, the A, mm -hmm. how am I looking? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the technical part? All that's important. But the core of it is, you know, your self-expression. Exactly. So one thing that, okay, so during louder than a bomb a lot of people realize that like angry poetry or sad poetry or oppression that you a poem that you did really well about these things it scored higher so more people started to write that kind of poetry like and sometimes it didn't even i felt like in certain instances with certain people who i've known personally it wasn't necessarily their own experiences, but because they know that this is what scores higher, if they did it a certain way, they would talk about experiences that were not their own. So then it became inauthentic. Um, and I also started to ask myself, you know, if I wasn't a woman and if I wasn't black, could I still be a poet? Because a lot of black poetry and what poetry is connected to like when i tell people that i'm a poet they think about love poems they think about sad shit 
they think about like they don't think that I'm gonna come out raw like on some happy shit like they don't think that or that I'm gonna come out with some life changing because the stigma of poetry like it's either boring or it's sad I wanted to to go away from that stigma so and I also wanted more people to be able to relate like not just from what they feel like our oppressions were that were similar I don't want you to connect to my poetry just because you're a black woman like me or because you're a single mother like me I want you to connect to my poetry because maybe you have a sex addiction like me or maybe you question your religion or your relationship with God because of certain things that you do or like that may not be holy you know things that can be contradicting but not like centered in just oppression that that are just things that people period go through No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Also, thanks for like being vulnerable too, and you know, just because I feel like the the less walls we put on, put up, you know, the the more we're able to, we're able to step into our true calling, and the more we're able to step into, you know, unblocking our, our and not to get too spiritual, but just like unblocking our throat chakra, you know, and and getting into alignment of how we feel and the message we're communicating. Yeah, and, and I love I love that you talk about that, and also I, I'm interested to, to to look into, you know, you said, and, and I want to come back to that too because I do want to I want to draw a tie to how that relates to like a lot of different aspects. You feel me in media entertainment, how like things get commodified and incentivized, and mm. then like lose the essence. You know, that's Man. a whole thing. We'll come back to that, but before we leave, I do kind of want to delve back. You know, until your your journey of self discovery too is like. So you said like it made you ask questions. What what are some of the questions that poetry kind of made you ask that you know kind of transformed your life? <sighs> I got to think about this one. Mm. Transformative questions. You want some kombucha? I'll, I'll pour up in the meantime. Uh yes. This is. Elderberry? Elderberry. <laughs> what flavor is this? Literally. Oh, it's just, um, I don't know the flavor. Okay. Oh, okay, here it is. Kiwi juice, raspberry juice. It doesn't have a name because it's like a cocktail. Okay, we get it. But yeah, you feel me? Um. Sponsor me, Synergy. <laughs> period. Money in my pocket. Yes. So you heard my poem, The Air. I loved it. Beautiful poem. Yes. So that poem, I wrote that because of my relationship with my ex-boyfriend. Enchanté. Mm -hmm. mm, I like it. Mm. First time? Uh, yes. I've seen it a lot of times, but I never tried it. Um, okay. So my poem, The Air... Um, it's actually on my Instagram if you guys want to check it out. Um, with that poem, I realized that I asked myself the question of why I was staying in a toxic relationship with a person who I felt like 
did not keep their promises a person who could not commit and did it in a way that like really messed with my self-esteem and when I was writing that poem I realized that my relationship with myself and my relationship with God like if I love myself and I'm sorry give me a second no, you um, you were digging into it before. You can dig into it now. Okay. Uh, asparagus. We got the. I kind of want to do the poem so like I can get my. Yes, point. please. Okay. Please. So I can get my point across. Mm, so good. I know you got some raw editing skills. A little bit. <laughs> All right, edit this part out because I'm gonna hit this vape. Edit the vape out on the video. I got you. Just ghetto. Smoking during the podcast. So, the name of this poem is called The Air. I'm as destructive as my impulsive emotions. I can't go north or south to find freedom. My chains are hooked to my brain, playing Russian roulette, slave by the thoughts in my head, pushing a revolving door full of mistakes where things continue to repeat themselves. If God made it to be, then it shall be so. So I dream of putting this gun to my temple since he resides in such holy places. And with his magnitude of magic, if I'm as loved as the holy book says, then he will save me. And I will know that it takes a God and not a he to save my life and my soul. Is that why I feel incomplete when he tends to other girls? Maybe if I stop looking for God's love in human form, the kind of love that answers when I call, that responds beyond the quiet, who can sing me a lullaby and rock my insecurities into silence and rid my body of depression's infestation. Everyone says that you, God, you are a he and you made man in your image, but I just can't seem to feel the love from either one of you nowadays. Please be more than a mythical creature so I can stop looking for you through a catalog searching for my king of all kings. Where are you? I keep trust falling into the arms of man and God and keep meeting the floor, the ground and the dirt. But I'm ready to meet the air. So with that poem, Beautiful. <clears throat> within that relationship, I was looking for validation within that relationship I was looking for the things that I needed to do I needed to love myself I needed to love myself enough to want more for me and loving myself is connected with my relationship with God because we are connected to God God is within us my body is a temple my body is a temple and God lives within me so in order for me to healthily love myself i can't search for everything that i need from another person so it wasn't even that person it was the fact that i we cannot something can't happen to me that i don't allow i allowed that to happen to me because i wasn't caring for myself i needed to give all of those things to myself in order to know what love looks like to be able to discard to be able to discard that person that was not for me so that's why I also look at things where it's like when people do things to me, 
I see the signs and I know them and I ignore them because we all see the signs. We just ignore them. Oh, it's just them. You know, it's just that. No, it's toxic. They need to get away from you. You need to love yourself enough to know that. And within that poem, writing that poem, I asked myself, like, why am I allowing this to happen? And it was my insecurities. It was the fact that I was not loving myself and it, and loving God and and is really all about loving and caring for yourself in the world, you know? So that's the question that I asked myself that got me to be able to write that poem. What am I missing? What am I looking for in this man that I really need that love from God and from myself? And that's why I said, please don't be a mythical creature because it's just like, I, I need you. I need that love right now. That's beautiful. I love how you tied into the journey it takes, mm -hmm. you know, to not only finding the question, because like you need to have the question mm -hmm. before you can even begin to work on what self-love or work on those things that you're missing, you know, and I won't call them parasites, but people who don't measure up will continue to slide into your life, slide and do you dirty or harm you and whatever, leave you, you know, feeling however sort of, you know, way until you come to that realization, which comes from self, inner work. Mm -hmm. And I love how, you know, you're adding, you know, another method that people can use, you know, for therapy or people can use to heal, that people can use, you know, to self-improve. Because, like, we know meditation, we know, like, yoga, you know, but now it's like, oh, there's that question asking asking aspect to, to poetry. Being introspective. It Being teaches you to be introspective, too. Because when you're introspective, if you mess up, you know right away. It's your choice on if you're going to fix it or not. When you're introspective, you know the problems that you have. You know the things that you work on, that you need to work on with yourself. A lot of my anxiety comes from me knowing what I need to do and ignoring it. Mm. I love that you can break it down to, to the source. Mm -hmm. And that puts you so much ahead of the curve because a lot of us, we struggle with just being helpless. Whew. You know, we struggle with helplessness. And, and, and I felt that, <laughs> felt that you, like you was like, you know, because it's like, we, we can only say that because like we've conquered a lot of mountains and obstacles in the past, mm -hmm. you know, to get to that point to say like, okay, not doing that again. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah, nope. It's like, but it's like to get to that point, you know, it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of trial and tribulation. I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, kind of looking at, and, it, and it's like looking, looking at like, I guess practical things because we try to make things practical what are what are ways and and i guess poetry is a great way you know but that's like that's your gift you know mm -hmm. i guess one of my gifts is i'm definitely not gifted at rapping but i guess i'm good at like math i guess because i'm an engineer by trade so like yeah i'm good with math so it's like what are ways that people i guess who aren't poets mm -hmm. right what are ways you think so introspective is one but what are what are ways you think they can kind of ask themselves them questions or like what are ways you think they can kind of you know get toxic people out of their lives by kind of realizing their self-worth oh my god one thing that i am still learning i have weak boundaries i do 
and I have been strengthening them. But have you ever met like a real hardcore person where it's like they seem so mean and it's like, but you're cool. Like I want to penetrate you, but you feel like it, it takes a lot of work, right? And or you like meet some people who who, who are like they're really cool, but they can be kind of mean. But they but it's not them being mean. They're firm and they have and they have boundaries, right? When I meet those type of people and I see that they still have people in their life who love and care about them, that's when you realize I can have my boundaries, things that make me comfortable, things that I do not like. And anybody who penetrates my boundaries after they after I set them, they don't respect me. They don't. And sometimes it's hard because it's like, we like, oh no, you know, that's just them or they need to learn this or they need to learn that. One thing about me is I am very understanding. I'm the type of person that if you wrong me, if I sit down and have a conversation with you, I will literally give you therapy, tell you why you did what you did, why I understand why you did what you did. But the problem that I have is just because I understand something does not mean that I have to accept it. Being understanding and accepting things are completely different things because once you understand someone and you still accept it, they think that it's okay. Um, so that's the way that you get toxic people out of your life. To set your boundaries, what makes you comfortable? Sometimes we hang out with people and they do things to us that make us uncomfortable and we don't feel comfortable with speaking up about it because we don't want to cause conflict you can it, sometimes it will conflict will come like life is literally about things happening to us and redirecting it's going to happen there is no way to avoid conflict for the rest of your life there has to be conflict in order for there to be growth you can't be safe you cannot be safe a lot of times i didn't want to um i didn't want to like ride bikes or or go out and do certain things because I would be scarred or I didn't want to try something because I would fail. If you are safe about things, you're never going to accomplish anything. It's more than just that one situation because once something becomes a habit, once something becomes habitual, it affects you in other areas of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like it it affects you in other areas of your life. So if I'm afraid to set boundaries with you or I'm afraid to speak up and tell you what makes me uncomfortable or I'm afraid to fail, I'm never going to learn from that experience. Life is about learning. It's about lessons. It's about conquering. That's why going back to being helpless being helpless is not an option for me i don't allow myself to to think that i'm helpless even if i feel like there's no alternative it's nothing that i could do right now i gotta sit down and i have to find a way because at the end of the life at the end of the day life still goes on and i have to find a solution at one point or another that's where so much anxiety comes from that's where so much depression comes from because we allow ourselves to be stagnant we allow ourselves to live in fear and not move forward because we're scared and not speak up for ourselves because we're scared of losing people. One of my friends, one of my really good friends, he told me, um, I was talking to him about just some um, <clears throat> friendship situations that I had. And he told me, he said, Alexis, you perform for love. I'm like, what? 
the wording he's a poet too of course <laughs> shout out to tank <laughs> uh he's a poet too he told me he said you perform for love he said you feel like that if you always there when somebody needs you if you always give it to to them even if you don't have it if you always pull up when they need a ride that people are going to love and care about you the same way that you care about them and that's just not true what, and what did you find out what, what is true what is true what is true is reciprocation. People have to reciprocate what you give. Like if, and, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be bad blood. You guys probably just don't connect. Like things just have to happen naturally. Things just have to happen naturally. Like if we're friends, me say me and you Garcia, we have really great moments. We have really good conversation. But say if, um, say if like I'm hitting you up, right? I hit you up on Monday, you know? Then I hit you up on Tuesday and then I hit you up on Wednesday, probably a text or something. And then you don't text me back like for months, like, and then you come back and be like, oh yeah, I've been having a lot of life stuff going on. Like, I'm so sorry. I care about you. It's just like, yeah, we have life stuff going on, but like you prioritize like who you want to prioritize. Like I talk to my mother every single day. I make that a priority. I talk to my mother at least four or five times a day. But I also be like, yeah, guys, I'm bad with communication, which I am. But I prioritize the people who I want to prioritize. It doesn't mean that I care about them any less. It just naturally is not supposed to be that way right now. So if you have a significant other, someone who who is saying like, I want to be with you. I love you. But then they don't talk to you for weeks or they um they don't want to go out they don't want to go on dates they don't want to pursue you but then they come back every now and again oh i love you i care about you there's an ulterior motive you just have to be realistic think about the way that you move not everybody moves the same not everybody moves the same i, I do want to put that out but think about just the way that you move would you do that to someone that you care about Think about the way that people love you, right? Because when someone loves you, they want they they want to know who you are and they want to love you the way that you receive love. You know, if you know my love language, but you choose to ignore it, then we're we may not be compatible or you just don't care. <laughs> you just have to take things for face value sometimes it's good to communicate to get people's side of the story because sometimes we don't know everything i don't know everything that's going on in your head but also just learn how to move accordingly and it's hard i'm still learning how to move like a lot of times i be having answers but my execution sometimes it don't be hidden because i i have fear within me as well but i'm i make it my priority to break past that you got to. We don't have no other choice. It's like you you go either do what you got to do or you go lose. That's literally do what you got to do or you're going to lose. And anything in your life. What do you think about people who who lose continuously? Right? Mm -hmm. But don't do anything about it. I think when you lose, you learn. So if I'm continuously, mm, um, I had a friend who used to always be like, Alexis, when I would do certain things, he'd be like, Alexis, what's the definition of insanity? I'm what? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. 
you have to switch it up. If something fails the first time, you have to continuously try to make it better, working on it, making it better. You're always supposed to learn from every loss. A L is not a loss. It's it's a lesson. You learn something so that you can continuously make it better. And just because someone says no doesn't mean that you can't perfect this to become a yes. No, I, I feel that. I feel that. Kombucha. Listen. Kombucha. How do you say it? Kombucha. Kombucha. That's how I say it. I don't know if that's how you say it. <laughs> Kombucha. It has microorganisms in it that heal. Is it, um... Uh, apple cider vinegar in here. Yeah, it's um, it's basically the same process as alcohol, but there's a, a portion where they take the part out of it that makes you drunk. Why they take the liquor out? Because if that's the case, we might as well get some honey. <laughs> where the honey at? <laughs> you feel? I you heard said? the treehouse had liquor. I was I was bamboozled. Listen, listen. I don't know. I don't know who spread that rumor, but <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need to have a conference call. All right. <laughs> Cause y'all got me fucked up. <laughs> I'm talking about this. This is not the trap house. It's the tree house. Closed on Sunday. This Chick Fil A. <laughs> Quit playing with me. I'm dead. Y'all be trying to have me. Y'all be trying to get me caught up. Listen, listen. I'm just saying. I'm a monk mode dopamine detox. Hit me up in three months, okay? But anywho, no, I love, I love the advice that you've given. You know, I feel like a lot of us have a lot of pent up, pent up fear. Pent up anger, pent up resentment, pent up sorrow, pent up attachment issues. You feel me? And I love how you mentioned how these people have an ulterior motive. The people who, you know, say one thing, but the actions speak otherwise. But at the same time, people have... The other people have ulterior motives as well. So, and I, and I, I, I want to mention that other other side too, where it's like ulterior motives go both ways when you continue to delude yourself. Mm. So, like, you also have ulterior motives because you want that person to be your everything. Exactly. So, guess what? As much as like, oh, he, he just trying to fuck, or she just trying to fuck, or she just trying to take my money, or he just trying to get clout. At the same time, you, you just, just trying, trying to find to, your king. Period. You trying, and it's like, it's, it might be more noble, but it's still arterial motives. Because guess what? Your king or your queen will fall into your lap when the time is right. Exactly. When you reach the number of L's, lessons, that get you to build, to be worthy of a king. I hate to say it. I hate to say Man. it. If you ain't get a king yet or you ain't get a queen yet. I'm sorry. Someone has to No, it's real. It's so, so real. And look, friends that I have. I'm not there yet. No one's there yet, but I'm just saying it. Period. But look, friends that I have felt out, fell out with my exes, even ones that I probably don't like, nothing is 100% one person's fault. We all have to share the blame, even though you feel like, oh, da da da. He cheated on me with seven women. You let him cheat on you with seven women. If you didn't like that, then it's hard. It is hard. You have to leave. You have to go. Because I tell guys this all the time. I have many female friends who are poly. Why are you dating monogamous women but you want to be in a poly relationship. You want to be with multiple people. Literally, all you have to do is be authentic to who you are. You will find people who are the same. I'm with it. 
you go find somebody who like that. If you like to go out and pop out and have threesomes or mess with different girls, every there is going to be somebody who is on your level who is okay with that. You just have to be real and have to be your authentic self instead of being around somebody who is this. And also you have to care enough about yourself to not to do not create an image for somebody else. Do not turn do not try to turn somebody into something that they are not. If I tell you what they say, if it walk like a duck and it act like a duck, a quack like a duck, it's a duck. If this person tells you that they are this, also if they show you that they are this, you trying to make them into something else is not fair to you or them. That's another thing with my ex. We got to a point where um, we couldn't even be ourselves around each other. And it's crazy because of the fact that we were the closest people to each other. We lived together at a point in time and people would be like, oh, when Lexi's around, like she's super lit. And when he's around, he's super lit. But both of them together in the same room is awkward. Like it's weird. Like it, at the not in the same room, but like at the same event. Like they don't give off the same energy that they give separately. Like you have to be comfortable with being yourself, know who you are and not be judgmental of yourself. Allow yourself to be yourself. And at a point in time, he felt like he couldn't tell me certain things because I would be judgy. And I was at a point in time. I was I didn't look at it that way at the time, but I understand in hindsight. So that's why I was just like it's certain. I can't say like, oh, I hate him. He's terrible. And he doesn't say that about me either. We know that we just were not for each other. It was good for the time because we learned a lot. We learned so much from each other. But once you learn from that relationship or that friendship, you have to be introspective. What were, what were the things that I could have done better? Not just for them, but also for myself. So that I could do things differently. Just like you said, if you ain't got no king, you ain't got no queen yet. Excuse me. <laughs> if you don't have a king or you don't have a queen yet, you're not ready. You got to build first. You have to become a full you. Be comfortable in who you are fix your toxicity because we all have it i can't just say he was toxic and i wasn't we both was toxic <laughs> in different ways and some people could be like yours was more than mine it That's doesn't relative. matter it's our own personal journeys and growth that we have to get past period mm, that's beautiful that's beautiful you mentioned that you know and, and even diving back you know, into your past, you know, and being honest about how, you know, you may have been toxic or that person may not have feel comfortable to be their authentic self. That's important, you know, and sometimes it comes to you years later about how you fucked up in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, some lessons aren't instant. You know, some people think to take a loss, right? And it's like, well, I took a loss today. So like, where's that lesson? It's like you can't take a loss and then like think the lesson gonna come instantly. Sometimes yeah. you take a loss and you gotta sit with that loss. Yeah. Sometimes for months. Sometimes for, for years. years. Before you like, oh, that's why that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And you, I feel, I call that reclaiming karma. I just made that up, but it makes sense to me. It's like I love that. It's you're reclaiming that bad shit. That it's like it was kind of, it's it's like. We talk about keeping tallies and keeping scores. Ooh, if you do that, right? It's I like, love that. A lot that. of negative shit happened to me. So almost like the tally is in favor 
for the negative shit. And that's the point where you're at your lowest point. But then, like, just that uh, maturity comes in. Mm-hmm. That enlightenment. How are we doing on time? We do yeah, okay. That enlightenment come in. You feel me? That it's like, oh, that lesson made sense. So you get in more balance. Because I feel like you do need a, a equal balance of lessons and successes. And, and the lessons are successes too, but I guess failures and, and successes. You need an equal balance to that. Because if you get too top heavy on the you just winning, you just winning, you just winning, right? Then you start to chill. You start to relax. Mm-hmm. You start to think you could get away Kick your with that girl up. you cheated on. You, you start to think you could get away with that social security number you finesse from that, that 97-year-old woman. You, you thought you could get away. Then the karma start. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you need a balance. You, need, you needed to learn that lesson. You needed to learn you couldn't get away with that. You needed her grandson to beat the fuck out of you. Huh. You know what I'm saying? So, you, know what I'm saying? you needed that, you know, five years later, you know what I'm saying? She got with a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? You needed that lesson to humble you so that you, I feel like the universe constantly reminds us. And it's, it's not to say that we're nothing, but to say that we have to, we have to cut off the layers of bullshit to become who we're destined to be. Yes. You know, so it's like, and I love, and, and it's like, not not to digress too much, but it's like, you can't skip steps. You know, people want to skip steps and jump through hoops. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you, you have to, you have to, it's hard. It's hard, like because you said. Because you won't appreciate it if it comes to instantly. And you won't keep it either. It's say easy come, easy go. You know? And and that's and that's beautiful and that, and it's just you know I just like to make the treehouse you know practical so it's like you know lessons people can actually use in their lives but I do want to go back to like the poetry stuff I want to talk about how, how 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 have you evolved as a poet over time you know especially you know okay knowing because that's a huge realization that like okay this is becoming a thing like I'm being tied because and also how how has like tying your identity to poetry how had that kind of like affected you like what are ways that that kind of like because obviously it had to be red flags for you to even notice that was a thing like a problem notice it was a problem what you mean like you said like realizing your identity is being a tie to i'm a poet oh okay yeah um well my identity is is many things but i do feel like that my calling and one of the biggest reasons for my existing my existence like is my poetry and what i can do with it um and the first part of the question i'm sorry say that again. um well just off the record you were saying it was great being a poet but then you found later on it's like that's all you are and it's like i guess the way other people look at you is just they your identity is tied to your your poet and then your i guess your body of work your poetry Did, was there ever a point where you personally you felt and, and it's like obviously like you know okay you follow the rules like mm-hmm. you were saying and I, I i think that's kind of fucked up that they score like the poetry like an eights and nines to like i'm kind of just thinking about it it's kind of messed up it's like art but you know going back to you was there ever a point where you reached a point where it's like you had to kind of reignite the fire of why you do poetry you know, was there ever like a, a, a time where you lost passion in that craft? Uh, yeah. And how you overcame that? Um, so in 2016, my father was murdered. And um, after that, 
my family had relocated to um, Minneapolis and I stayed in Chicago. So after that happened, I was still like I was still able to write, but I, I didn't feel like that it was at the same, you know, at the same level that I was able to before. Um, and since my family had relocated after a while, like I had some, some issues. So I ended up moving to Minnesota. I lived there for a year and three months, that entire year and three months, all I did was like work. I just worked and I stacked my money. When I was out there, I was not trying to meet new people. I was not trying to kick it. I was trying to get my money up so I could move back to Chicago because not only is it just, um, poetry that's tied into my existence it's the city too because of the fact that I moved around so much and I was able to find consistency you know within my my birth city and you know like where I'm from and learn who I was as a person and learn that I love poetry I was not able to write the entire time that I was gone until no I was writing, I started to write music a little bit, but I couldn't write poetry to save my life. I could not, I couldn't connect. Um, so it was, it was the city and it was also, nobody knew who I was in Minnesota. And when I went down there, I found their artist community because I knew that I needed that. So I found them and I'm sorry, y'all, I have to, I don't like to say this, but I have to like they was trash compared to Chicago. I'm sorry, y'all. Maybe it's just a city thing, but Chicago poets are so cold. I met some cold poets in Minneapolis. I did, I did, I did, I promise you. I'm not like one like, oh, they were trash. It wasn't trash, like, oh, like they're terrible, like artists. It was I didn't feel it. I couldn't feel it, you know? And I really wanted to feel it. It was like maybe one or two people that I saw where like I felt it. But if you go to a Chicago open mic, that old school YCA Clio, like, you know, at the Harold Washington where they used to have, you go feel it. Each round, each person, they come, it's hit, hit, hit. You go feel it all. Like it's nothing like Chicago when it comes to the arts, really, to me. So, um when I got back to the city it started to flow but nobody knew who I was nobody knew I was a poet I didn't have everything that I built within the city anymore I felt like that I had lost part of myself and my identity it could have been because of the fact that I was not in Chicago and I wasn't writing and I had lost my father um but I think it was because I found my identity in Chicago and I hadn't fully, I didn't get to say goodbye to my city the way that I needed to. So when I came back, I moved back um, in 2019. I was only gone for a year and three months. When I came back and I was able to take control of my identity back, take control of my name and my reputation and my city, I was able to write again. Mm. I feel like I'd be going all over the place. No, no, I love that. I love okay. That. I love that. I love that. When it gets to, I have a good sense of, so if, if, I, if I'm if i going with it, then, then we need that. That's okay. good. That's good. Sometimes I don't know if people understand when I speak. Because I like. 
No, I listen. If they don't understand, this is not for them. That's real. I just feel like, like even with my friends, like they'll ask me a simple question, and I'd be so philosophical. But I'd be like, just wait, and then they'd be like, oh, I get it. Or sometimes I just feel like they don't. Like this is how I talk all the time. Evidence when we met. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I love, I love that you mentioned that. You know, and I, I always like to bring this back to. You know, I rebranded the podcast, so we talk about how this can help young men. You feel me? And and this is like three different ways, you know, that our branches, I guess, tie in to link back to this. But one of the big things is like, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of guys, they have passions in life. You know, poets. Some people want to be poets. Some people want to be rappers. Some people want to be, you know, basketball hoop dreams. You know, and it's like, you know, you know, my condolences for your loss. That's a huge setback. You know, like I can imagine, you know, what. What, what that can do to somebody, you know? And and often, like, you would be excused. Like, if, if, if that happened to you, you know, if somebody were to have, you know, kids, you know, in their teenage years, you know, lose their father, you know, such a tragic way. If, if Even if he told me all his life, all he's talking about, oh, I want to be next to LeBron. If he gave up on his dreams, I ain't gonna, I wouldn't even blame him. So, let me please speak on that. Please. And this is going to tie to my father. It's going to, man... My dad used to always tell me excuses are for losers. And I know it sounds harsh right now, especially since you just said I had my son. My father was murdered. I would understand. So look, Pete, that's the thing. It's about understanding. When I was younger, oh my gosh, if I could get out of something with a great excuse, I would. Say if I didn't feel like doing something. If I came up with a perfect excuse to the point where I believed it and say if you didn't take my seat, I'd be like, wow, da 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 my grandmother just died how dare you right and that didn't even happen i made it up right excuses give us reasons to lie excuses give us if i come up with a great excuse then i don't have to feel bad about anything i don't have to take accountability it does not matter bad shit happens to people every single day you still have to live your life and it's not saying that you can't feel it you have to. You have to go through that grief. You have to go through that pain. But at some point in time, you have to get up. You have to try to find a way to get up. It's not going to be easy. And I'm not just saying it like it's simple because I'm not that big headed. I promise you, I'm not. It like when my father, when my father died, it was a lot of different things that I went through. And then my grandmother died from a heartbreak five months later because my father died. And my father was murdered in front of my son. So it was a lot. I, I had to deal with a lot and it took a lot to get me out of my head, get me out of that fear, get me out of that depression. You have to find a reason to live on. I have a child, so my child is my reason to live on and to not make excuses. And then I pray. I don't know what people, what everybody believe in, but you have to believe in something, whether it's yourself, whether it's God. I don't care what you believe in as long as it is something positive and something that is going to push you forward. You have to believe in something. You have to get up. Do not make excuses. Excuses are for losers. I know this sounds really cliche, but a lot of times, like sometimes I have crippling anxiety where like um like when i was in high school i have no clue why this was the case well i had because of the fact that i moved around a lot 
I was always known as a gifted child. Like I was really smart. I was always put into different programs. But since I had never stayed at a school for an entire year, my consistency was terrible. So when I got to high school, I had tested and I got into selective enrollment, which is how I got into Westinghouse. I wasn't used to not being the smartest person in the room. So when I got to Westinghouse, I was very intimidated. And my grades started to suffer because I was intimidated and I second guessed everything that I was doing, right? So sometimes I would lay in bed and stare at my backpack with my homework in it and I couldn't move. I would have really bad anxiety and I could not move. You wanna know what I thought about? Nike, just do it. Just do it, right? It's hard, it was, it was hard. Like I don't know if you guys know what it feels like to have crippling anxiety, like you cannot move. I was just like, just do it. So sometimes it will work for me and I just hop up. As soon as I get up moving, Everything else doesn't feel so bad. It's the starting. It was the starting. So it's just do it. You have to, you will never, if you're waiting for the perfect moment, it will never come. You just have to do it. That was a sign. <laughs> it like literally, if y'all are hearing this, that is a sign. Just get up and do it. Just get up and do it. You have to do it it's no other choice like y'all we gotta win period we gotta win period period it's um time doesn't wait for anybody mm -hmm. so you gotta make time your friend you know and um no I, i'm glad that you mentioned that and you know and that's that's you know if, if you you know you still come out with a book you know, you still networking, you know, you still doing your thing, you know, after all of that, after all of that, you know, that alone, you know, that's an indicator that anything is possible. And if, if you have a dream that you believe in strong enough, you know, if you really hold that dear as you do poetry, you know, as you do, you know, giving back, then like nothing's going to stop you, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that story. That, that's such a powerful you know, almost motto, you know, that people can come back to, you know, because that, that's so inspirational. I also want to speak on, you know, you know, also like teenage pregnancy, you know, that's a huge thing. A lot of people, you know, I don't want to say suffer with because that's a blessing at the same time, but it definitely comes with its, you know, obstacles, you know, how, you know, you said you were, you know, you were doing open mics, you know, you would teach at the Catholic school. I don't know if it was that time or that, that was after. after. I had my son my junior year. Junior year. You know, super, I'm trying to think of my junior year where my head was at. I can't imagine what a, you know, huge shock that was. Or just like introduction to like, okay, what a paradigm shift. Because like your whole life is probably, you know, going to change at that point. How did that, how did that play into poetry? How did that play into, how did you go about your passion, you know, pursuing poetry after that? Um... So first of all, I would not be the person I am today if it was not for my son. Um, I tried to envision what my life would be and what things that I would have accomplished if it wasn't for my son. And I can't even answer that question because my life completely shifted. It completely shifted because... I had, I don't know, like 
my son i love him so much and it really just put a fire in me a lot of people like who have kids like parents like young parents be the hardest working people that i know because it's not just you like one like my dad really wanted me to be independent so even though when i had my son and i was 16 my father was murdered when i was 19. so from 16 to 19 i had my mother and my father helping me with my son after my dad passed away my mother moved to minnesota my father had always wanted me to be independent and i wanted that for myself and i wanted stability and safety for my child so i had to prove that to myself so i stayed in chicago just me and my son without my mother without my father without his father and i proved it to myself that drive it hits it was this oh my gosh uh, me and my friend we were watching like these inspirational videos the other day and they were saying that um when you have no other options is when you make things happen the most like when it's kind of it's it's like life or death when you put your back up against the wall like um what this guy said he said um I, for, I don't know the exact quote, but he says something along the lines of he says something about um, he gave his friend his last like eight hundred dollars or something like that and told him if I don't make the no, it was like fifty thousand dollars, something like that. If I don't make this back within like the next six months or whatever, like you, you can keep it like hold this for me. But if I don't make this back, then you could keep it gave him all his money. It put a fire under his ass and that's how it was for me like i'm a mother i'm a parent especially being a single mother i have to do everything on my own because my family is not like in chicago so for example i'm gonna give you how things were for me um pre-pandemic so pre-pandemic um this was i didn't have a car at the time so I was working at like 7 a.m. My son had to be at school at 8.45. I got off work at 3 o'clock. My son got out of school at 3.45, right? Then homework, dinner, bed, still spending time together, you know? So I'm just like, wow, I have to be at work at 7 a.m. But my son got to be at school at 8.45. I don't really have people who could pick him up and drop him off. I... I joined like a mom support group um, that told me about transportation services. So I called the transportation service line and they charge a fee weekly to pick your child up, right? To pick them up and to, you know, take them to school. So because of the fact that I had to be at work at seven, they will pick him up like around like 5.50 in the morning. So no, my son had to be at school at 8.45. So when he gets on that bus, I go to work but because of the fact that he's on that bus at 5 50 and school doesn't start to 8 45 he's going to be tired he's going to be tired by the time he gets to school so then some days he's going to have bad days right he's going to have bad days and then i'm talking to him or he's tired in class and now i have to edit everything in order my son can't get up that early he can't get on that transportation service even though that's the best thing for me right now that's not the best thing for him 
So now I have to call family members, try to see what I can do. You feel me? It's all about rerouting. And when you have a child, especially when you're put, when you are their only and main resource, it challenges you to be able to problem solve every minute of the day. I used to go to sleep thinking of plans. I would dream about what I'm going to do the next day. I would literally, I'd probably dream about something thinking in my sleep and wake up in the middle of the night and start making calls. It puts your back up against the wall. It make it like on, kids give you hunger. Like it, 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 you want to give them everything and you want to be something that they can look up to. And that's what my child did for me. Things are difficult and it's hard. I wish I had a village, but unfortunately, you know, I don't have a, a strong support system like some mothers do, but it gives me drive. Like I don't regret it. You know, I do wish that things were easier for me, but I don't regret it because it gives something positive. Everything has a trade-off. Every negative has a positive and every positive has a negative. And I choose to be glass half full rather than empty. Thank you so much for sharing that. <clears throat> no, like, and I love, I love how you, how things come full circle. Cause we talk in the beginning of the conversation, how, what poetry brings to you, how deeper than like the feeling of knowing your identity and deeper than like, you know, all of that, it was the service I'm giving, you know, I'm helping people just like it helped me ask the questions to get them to the places that they want to be in life, you know? But it's like that service to others, the universe tests us, mm -hmm. you know? So the universe is like, oh, she likes to give value. She likes to give service. Let's see if she really thought that much. Exactly. I love that. Garcia. The universe said, bet. Oh, my God. And, and that's why it, it dangled. Mm. It dangled that shortcut. We could make my son get up at 545. It's my son, not me. He'll be tired, but I'll have energy. It, mm. it, it tips you. It tips you. It gives you the shortcut. And, and that's when you could turn up as a parent and be like, deal with it, son. Mm -mm. You have the choice to turn up and make their life harder or fucking answer your calling, which was, oh, I'm here to give. And that means in all aspects. The universe don't play. The universe, yeah. oh, you want to give? Oh, you can't just, you're going to give in all aspects for you to receive what you really deserve. Remember that? Becoming that person who deserves yes. that thing that they want. And that's what's necessary. And now, now you have that mental toughness, that fortitude. So now a situation will arise, but you dealing with that? Oh, you, oh, oh, that's a, that's a breeze. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, it, it really did. And then I also talked to my baby about that too. Like he's eight years old. So like I was telling him, I'm like, you know, why did this happen? And then he's just like, you know, I was tired. I didn't feel like doing this at the moment. And then I'm just like, you know, this is a situation. Mommy's going to take care of it. I don't want you to beat yourself up about it. This is a situation right now and I just have to get it fixed. And that's the thing. My parents never gave me transparency. I understand that there's certain things that children do not need to worry themselves about. But I also need to learn and I also stop trying to be perfect in front of my son because it's going to make him feel inadequate when he's not perfect when he's my age if like my little brother i had i have like i used to have this really big um perfection like ugh. it like i had the need to look perfect all the time i had the need like 
and I I used to fake it so well like certain when I told y'all like I jumped off the porch like my parents still don't know certain things that I've experienced because of the fact that I have to have this image I was always taking care of home I was always taking care of my brother and my little brother will tell you right now da -da -da, Lexi's so perfect Lexi doesn't do this Lexi doesn't have problems she you know what I'm saying he doesn't know like who I am as a person because I hid all of that from him and I don't want to do that to my son because that doesn't give him room to feel like I can mess up mommy's perfect like I can mess up no like my son has seen me cry I have been transparent with him about like certain situations you know what I'm saying so that he can be able to learn from it especially like you know when he gets older my mother does not all that I really know about my mother is that she's my mother. Like, I know certain stories about her past, but my mother doesn't open up about her life experiences. It was this one time I came to her really distraught about a situation that happened. And then she's like, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what you should do about this situation. Like, I don't know how you should handle it. So I'm just like, okay, have you experienced this before? And she's like, yeah, when I experienced this, then this, 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 and this. And I'm just like, mom, that's all that I want from you. I want for you to use your life experiences to be able to guide me. What is the point of you going through all those things that you went through if you cannot guide me, your child? That's your job to guide me you are here as my guide you experienced all of these things and learned all of these lessons so that i wouldn't have to repeat your mistakes and that's exactly why i am transparent with my child that's why i'm not going to pretend like mommy perfect in front of my child no for real for real and that is, that's that whole generation it's it's um and it was necessary you know it was provide for the kids, make sure they're well fed, make sure they eat, make sure they can, you know, all that good stuff, you know? But it's like, these these lessons, they happen so that you can train your kids that, okay, yeah, clothing, food, and shelter is important, but also, maybe I don't want them to have that anxiety that I had of like, putting on an image, you know, which, which made my life have so much unnecessary misery if only I could have just been grown with the sense of oh it's okay to be vulnerable you know which would have freed up so much of my things and I know that you know I do kind of want to end this because I know we're on a time budget but I do want to touch on two more things is I'm curious to know from a from a po poetry side because you, you mentioned that this perfection thing you know so I was actually stalking your Instagram <laughs> I was talking to the guy. I thought, and one of your um, one of your reels got really emotional. You were at church delivering a poem or something, and then you got really emotional. You know, you just let it flow, and that really like touched me. And 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 I know before before that, I do want to draw this parallel though. And I was I was almost not baffled, but I was a little surprised when you said that you had this perfectionism thing because it it seems as if the not the theme of poetry, but it's like poetry that sells is like being vulnerable, being like digging into it or like being exposing yourself. Whereas that seems to be the complete opposite to like kind of putting up or I'm perfect. Did, would you say poetry helped you kind of move out of that perfectionism? So that, the reason, that wasn't just me performing at a church. That was a poem that I did at my grandmother's funeral who mm. died in February. 
Um, so that's what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, and my family recorded it. Um, and I just wanted to share that like for, um, just like my family and for, um, people, mm -hmm. you know, who knew my grandmother. Yeah. My me. apologies. I, I had your Instagram just playing in the background. I didn't actually see. The, oh yeah. The yeah. So I was just hearing the. Yeah. The so phone. that's yeah. the reason why I was very emotional, um, with that. Um, so poetry does have this thing where like you have to practice what you preach, like people will see will see what you write and a lot of times like if i'm writing about if i'm writing about something or the conversations that me and you are having right now it does not mean that i've mastered all of these things it's things that i've discovered or my own personal um situations or things that i've learned things that i am going towards or things you can call it a manifestation some things that we write about are manifestations. Um, and a lot of people feel like because I talk about these things or because it's in my poetry, then that means that I'm perfect with it. And that's why I want to be diverse with the things that I talk about. And I try to make it clear in a lot of my poetry that the things that I'm saying, like, it doesn't mean that I've mastered them. So that perfectionism comes in with the aspect of people seeing it but i i have to be on point with my delivery always like i have this thing where if i don't feel like i really don't care what other people think about my performances or like my poetry because when i write like i know what's raw and i know what's not so it's like i love that you love it you know you're supposed to love it because you know because you know <laughs> i'm a great writer and i know that about myself Can you put that on silent, please? Um, and I know that about myself. So when it comes to my performance and the way that I do things, I do want them to be perfect. Sometimes it stops me from doing certain things if it's not perfect. I have not conquered my perfectionism complex that I have, but I have made so many strides and movements um, forward from it. Um, one of the things is like with Crescent Core, I have been wanting to write this book for so long and I knew nothing about self-publishing I everything that I did I self-published this book I did all of the research I did all of the formatting I researched in order to be able to make this happen I taught myself everything that I needed to know about doing this in order to you know complete it but because I had that self-doubt before I'm just like I don't know how to do this or um what if it's not as good you know and that's the thing about like failing like for example so you know how i told you guys it's two different versions of crescent core it's the version on amazon and the version on barnes and nobles i released the initial um publication of crescent court in august <clears throat> it was my first time doing self-publishing and i i kind of made my dimensions 11 by 8 so it was big right my mother got the first copy she facetimed me and i'm just like it looks like a math book <laughs> i was so upset but i'm just like you know it's my first piece of work it's my first piece of art um and then i'm just like i want to republish this there was no way through amazon where i could um edit the dimensions so i did a new publication through barnes and nobles i fixed the errors that i had with the first publication and i re-put the book out so 
because of the fact that I have the need to be perfect, it could stop me from doing things. But once I do it, if there's a problem, I could readjust. You only fail when you don't try. And so many people were still proud and impressed and bought. Shout out to my first um, royalty check that I got. Like my first royalty check had hit out of nowhere. It was as day I was at the gas station. I was like, hmm, am I finna go to Starbucks? Or am I finna put all this in my tank, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, which one? And then I, I got out at the gas station and I was like, oh, $300 just hit my account. Ooh. Yeah, it was like the first, it was like the first two months. Wow. Yeah. And I was, and that's like not even including the physical sales that I had. Um, so I was like, really, I was like, wow, if I would have never done this, I would have never known my capability. Mm. But I did it. And that's, that's what you got to do. You got to, you got to take that chance, take that leap because you know what it feels like right now. You don't know what it feels like on the other end of that. Well, that's facts. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Like, I'm so proud of you for achieving that and for fulfilling that promise that you've had so long to write a book yes. and like carrying that through, you know, regardless of the results, regardless of it sold a single copy, yeah. regardless if the dimensions were wrong or whatever, fucked up. It's the fact that you kept your promise to yourself. Yes. That alone, all it takes is a promise. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> you know, all it takes is that belief, you know, and that's no one can take that from you. Yes. No one can take that from you. And but one one more thing I do want to talk about though before we end is you know you talk about how are we doing on time? Oh, I wasn't checking the time. I was checking okay. my battery. Okay, we good. <laughs> That's just the last thing I want to talk about, and this, I, I want to add this last pillar to it because I feel like you're in a position to add a lot of input and help a lot of guys out with this. Is it's overcoming that fear of rejection or, or, or just like the fear of trying something new, right? And a lot of people suffer with anxiety. A lot of people suffer with reaching out. A lot of people suffer with social anxiety, right? It seems like um, like you were telling me your story. You were telling me how you know you went to the the chance thing. No, no, not the chance thing. The um, before the chance thing, I'm gonna have to check the notes. You went to tip fest, tip, or not, not tip know. fest, and, and that too. All of this plays a role. The uh, John, I never know we're talking about poetry. Baby. Uh yeah, Joachim Noah. Oh <laughs> yeah, clay shaping yeah. escaped my mind. So the clay shaping thing. Right? Yeah. And then from there, mm -hmm. you met a classmate. Yeah. Who who won the thing? Mm -hmm. But then they told me about it. through okay. connections, mm -hmm. you know, then they, you got into it. Yeah. So it's like the I just want you to speak on the power of connections, the power of networking, and like what that can do for somebody. Yeah. And how like people can get out of their shell. To like socialize and like talk to people and like you know man you never know like when you meet people like you can't be shy like to to talk to people and reach out like some people are but like okay so i'll tell you guys the story um that he's talking about so um it was my freshman or my sophomore year in high school and i don't i forgot like how i got here but it was like my second time meeting joe came noah and um we he had us do like some clay shaping like we were playing with clay and he had us like create um 
just like some figures so after we created them you know we were having a lot of fun he's like now i want you guys to write a poem about this right so we all wrote and then um one of my classmates he was also through um he was also up on that's later but his name brian tremble shout, shout out. out to brian <laughs> so um we all wrote our poems and it was an incentive and brian ended up winning and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm a part of my school's poetry team, you know, <laughs> at Westinghouse. And he was just talking about Louder Than a Bomb, like, you know, has the biggest poetry competition or whatever. And I'm like, oh, word? You feel me? Like, we went to the same school and we lived in the same neighborhood. And he ended up telling me about the auditions that were coming up. So that's when I ended up going to you know, I was already at Westinghouse. I went to the auditions and I made the team. And that was when I started performing poetry. I had been writing since I was nine years old, but I never really showed people my art. But when I, you know, that moment happened, it took me to my school to louder than a bomb. Then I started to do performance poetry. I started to teach. I started to just perform and getting paid to perform. And, and that's, how we ended up here. <laughs> I'm humble. Yeah. I'm thankful to, to be blessed by your presence. Right. Thanks, Joakim Noah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Right. <laughs> no, but I just, I'm, I'm, it's beautiful that you, we can go back, you know, to the people, to the places, to the situations where we took action. You yeah. feel me? And, and, and draw that butterfly effect. Connect those dots later on in the future. To a point where, and even if it's not like, you know, and, and it's easy to like, be like, oh, well, I didn't make a million dollars. Or like, oh, I'm not, you feel me, in New York Times. You know what I'm saying? Or like, oh, like, I'm not at the Oscars. <laughs> Let me not bring the Oscars. But anywho, <laughs> Treehouse Unfiltered. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Whoa. No, anyway. Um, anywho. Going back to what I'm saying is, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's easy to, like, discount the, the progress you've made, you know, because you, you're measuring to, like, an unrealistic standard or or you're not waiting to get to the point where you will get to that point. But it's always good, you know, to go back to the importance of taking action and, and networking. A lot of times people, you know, in, in higher positions than you or places that you want to see yourself being or who inspire you, a lot of times if you just reach out to them. Like, you don't even have to do a lot. You don't have to come with a perfect resume. Just just the the confidence it took to do that will set you apart. And a lot of times, they will show a helping hand, and, you know, help guide you, be mentors, you know, and all of that. And, yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, this was a beautiful, you know, episode that just, I, I'm inspired, honestly. And, and, and I, I feel like if you have anything else to say, I feel like the podcast in the treehouse just be so openly willing to hear any other thing that you will want to say about you or whatever um well first of all thank you so much for having me here Gartasia because this was literally therapy for me um sometimes we don't realize the like the things that we go through because it becomes normalized so it's like when I talked to you the other day and you were just asking me things about my life and I was like reflecting and I was actually putting things into perspective, 
it really made me realize like wow sometimes I'm really hard on myself because I never feel like I'm doing enough I never do no matter how much I do I always feel like that is more for me to do because it is I have a long life ahead of me you know and um but once you laid it out and I just explained it to you I looked at myself differently and a lot of times like you said you discount your tragedy i discount a lot of things that has happened to me because all i know is i still gotta get up and i still gotta move forward and i this and this experience made me value myself a bit more and oh, made me like look at myself like like i already have this thing where it's like i know you know that I persevere I know that I'm a good person I know that I have good intentions and that you know I'm learning and I'm growing every day I know that about myself but sometimes we need that appreciation so I have an assignment mm. for the treehouse mm. so I want you guys to write your own autobiography if you are a writer, I want you to write the things that stood out in your childhood the most in order from the time that you could remember all the way up until now, the trials that you had. This is going to be a lengthy assignment, but I want you to do that and I want you to read it back to yourself. And I think that it would allow some people to know I've been through so much and I've overcome so much. Why would I stop right now? Accountability, you feel me? Be accountable for your own life. And be honest, be completely honest. Nobody nobody else is gonna read it if you don't want them to. Write it for yourself. Be If you cannot be honest with yourself, you will never be honest with anybody. Be honest, be honest with yourself when you write this. Um, you're the first person to give an assignment, but I love that because I feel like you have the authority to do that because you have, and everyone has the authority, but your story is just so inspirational and it's so moving. And I feel like people will actually follow through because it's, it's, it is like you said, let's win in 2022. You know, let's put the complaining aside. Let's put the he, he, say, he say, she say aside. Let's put the men versus women aside. Niggas ain't shit. Bitches, they just put that aside. Let's fucking focus on working on ourselves. Not in a selfish way. Not in a to get back at somebody way. Or not to flex on these N-words or to flex on these B-words. To flex on your old version. Let's flex on me not a year ago. Not a month ago. Let's flex on me yesterday. Yes. Let's yes. make this an anthem. Let's make this a motto. And oh, before we wrap it up. I'm still gonna be getting in across with this next. What are ways we can reach the publications, the the socials, the all that of the wonderful Lexi Monet? So you guys, my Instagram is Lexi Monet underscore bar, L-E-X-I-M-O-N-E-E -E -E underscore B-A-R-R. -R. So I have a link tree that's in my bio. It has the link to everything that I'm doing. If I have any upcoming shows, it's gonna be in the link tree books is going to be in the link tree everything's going to be in the link tree <laughs> so you guys can um follow me on instagram and that is where i post my updates my content and thank you so much treehouse 
It was beautiful. And um, no, her Instagram page is just beautiful with poetry. And I like to, and I did watch a few of the videos. I just love, there's two elements to it. There's the delivery too. So like watch the actual video and just breathe in. I just took, I just took a deep breath on that arrow because it was so refreshing and just working my mind, you know, almost maybe in ways when you write, it works your brain. I almost got like a, a little touch of that. And it was like a cool breeze on my brain of inspiration. Let's keep inspiring each other and let's just strive to be our best versions, you know? And with that being said, stay hydrated, stay breathing in that good ass oxygen. Mm. Heavy on that. And most importantly, most importantly, stay basic. You are listening to First Kiss by yours truly. Puberty finally hit Freshman year made a promise to have my first kiss Stomach growling so I head out the door Bump directly to the chick right at the front door I shot my shot, said my name, I'm a dope Said, where you coming from? She said, straight from the store Said for show, said slide to the skate And on set, her eyes lit up She probably an acrobat I play it cool and get six on the dash She said she'll move shit around and make time just for that we hit the ice and had a skates lay She put my hand around her waist We just couldn't keep space In a moment all else is erased Queen Elsa the way she let it go and let me chase Holding hands while we glide puppy love shit She said she feeling it but she really got a dip I'm the Tarzan to her Jane Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang first Kids marriage I could go down the list But nothing quite like that bliss from your first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane, Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang first, kids marriage I could go down the list, but nothing quite like that bliss from your first kiss Why she holding back? I don't understand Got a plan set, I'ma get close to the friend Link at the cafeteria, prepared to show my hands Had to clarify some things before I made my advance Does your friend have a do or man of interest? She said get your feelings hurt, go ask her be my guest when she told me she had better half I was selfish, tried to drift her off the faithful path I let out a laugh, hit my feelings on a mask But when she look at me, stimulate my lower half Got me feeling like a first pick in the NFL draft When she had my heart sprung, couldn't really use the cast <gasps> Reignite that spark, see that glint She's staring in my eyes, uh, really giving hints I get butterflies, feel my gut wrench See her leaning in, that's my first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane, Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang first, kids marriage I could go down the list, but nothing quite like that bliss from your first kiss I'm the Tarzan to her Jane, Katara to my avatar She used to call me Aang first, kids marriage I could go down the list, but nothing quite like that bliss from your first kiss